Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message, you can see the title, is When God is All. And I came across this story somewhere a long time ago and saved it. I like to keep stories like this because it's good uh, material to use in a message. This article said once when Queen Victoria was in the Highlands, she stopped at the cottage of a poor woman, sitting for a few minutes in an old armchair. When the party was leaving, one of the number told the old woman who her visitor was. And she was awed by the thought and the honor which had been hers. And taking up the old chair, she carried it into the spare room, saying, No one shall ever sit in that chair again because my queen sat in it. That led me to this thought, how much more sacredly Should we keep from other occupancy the place in our heart where Christ has been received as guest? And so my question, my challenge to all of you that are here today. How is it just now in your heart? Is there any need for Christ to come in with his whip of cords? Drive out the traitors the sellers of cattle and doves and the money changers. And I know you're thinking, but we, we don't have that. I don't have that in my life, Pastor. How many of you in this room today will show me by the upraised hand that you have a phone? A smartphone nonetheless. So, so raise it up high. Confess your faults before one another. <laughs> See, our problem isn't the money changers. You may be confused on me even using this terminology, but you spend way too much time on your phone. With Instagram and Facebook and texting and YouTube. In fact, I want you to check your neighbor right now. If they're on their phone, tell them the preacher just called you out. Yeah, I know, you use your phone... It's not fair because you use your phone for checking the word. And we also ask you to check into church with it. And so I'm careful, and but I think you all understand. If you can't make it ten minutes into your day without checking your phone. And some of you old schoolers, you, you can't make it. You can't. You've turned the coffee pot on before you say hello to Jesus. Or you've got to watch the weather report before you spend time alone with the Lord. Before you get into your devotions, you're, you're doing multiple things. And I know your excuse is that I want to be awake so that God has my full-on attention. And I, I get that, but what does it become? 
going to give you a checkup today. Are you ready? Hang on to your pew. Now, I know you know Jesus as wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. You've heard of him as the bright morning star, the first and the last, the only begotten of the father. You've heard all of those designations for Jesus. I've got a fresh one for you today that I am almost certain no one has ever referred to Jesus as. And it's your first main point and you don't have your normal notes today. So this is going to be a shock to you. Jesus, the bouncer. I don't know why it's, I'm pushing the button, but once again, it's just not. Yeah, Jesus, the bouncer. You know what passage of scripture this is from? This is. Matthew 21, verses 12 through 14, we're going to read today. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers. All right, you see that, right? He's throwing people out. Like a bouncer. He knocked over the table of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. I'm going to insert some words that I think should be here. And after that, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. I'll come back to that last verse a little bit later, but... Jesus takes on a role that's unfamiliar. We're mostly unfamiliar with, right? We like Jesus in his gentle role, don't we? He's more often than not portrayed as gentle. And you guys have heard me almost in a mocking sense that we love that picture of Jesus. And that's the one that da Vinci paints and the others paint of him holding a lamb. Presenting the lamb before the Lord. And uh, and I, we love that picture. It's a real picture. It's true picture. And that's more often than not how he's portrayed. We love those songs. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. For we need your strength from day to day. We like that part of Jesus. But I can tell you this, and you've missed it most of your time reading the gospel. Jesus was turning over tables way more often than you think in the figurative sense. Because every time you hear him uttering scriptures like Matthew 12, 34, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He's basically calling them evil snakes. He's telling them, these religious rulers and authorities, your heart is evil and what comes out of it is evil. You are of your father, the serpent that you know of in the garden. That's not nice, Jesus, is it? 
That's not nice. That's not Jesus patting you on the... It'll be all right. My grace is sufficient. Everything. And all of that is true. But we miss this part of Jesus. We miss that Jesus was a real man. A powerful man. And he was the son of God. And he's calling them things that they did not appreciate. Everyone appreciates Jesus in his loving role. Everyone appreciates that. I like that too. But there were occasions that Jesus called people and things what they were. For real. And sometimes... In order to get some things right, you must throw away what you have and start over. Any of y'all ever done that? Every wife that ever took all of the furniture or had her husband get it out of the house and just say, we're starting over. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's seen its day. It's frayed around the edges. I don't care if you like that chair better than any chair you've ever had. You can see the grease stain from your head sitting in the back. It's time for it to go. It's starting to smell like old man. No offense intended. I think it's obvious that's what Jesus was doing here. And so he elects as God's son to rid the temple of the trash and junk that had grown from twisted hearts. You all that can go back a few years, and maybe you live in a place that this is still the case, but back before we had complete surround tubs in our bathrooms, we had to put caulking around the edges. How many of you all remember that? Raise your hands. You know what happens to that caulking, right? When you put it on, it looks so beautiful. It's white. It's, you know, everything's nice. But eventually, mold grows behind it. Now, the mold doesn't prevent the caulking from doing what it is intended to do. It's still preventing water and moisture from getting back behind there. But there's molds nonetheless. And you can see it. And at some point, You're saying, I'm ripping this stuff out of here because I'm tired of my bathroom looking like I don't clean it. Right, ladies? If you climb in a bathtub and you see that mold and you're thinking, how can I get clean if that's right there? It ain't, it don't look right. Any of you anal cleaners is like, this ain't happening and you, you have to change the caulking every three months. And you, yeah, you can spray it with everything you want. And it's still there. It's still there. You can use great grandmother's recipe. Mixed up some vinegar, baking soda, and a little bit of cornstarch. Throw, throw all kinds of good stuff. Some salt in there. It's still there. You gotta start over. As God in flesh, He knew the Father's wishes, and so He cleaned out the temple. Now, I want you to understand something. These people were providing a necessary service. Right? You're still with me? But as with anything that man gets his hands into and on, it had taken or become a business where people were taken advantage of. It's how you feel when you go to the movie theater. 
try to buy some popcorn. You can buy that same bag of popcorn, put it in your microwave, pay a 70 cent for it. You're paying 150% more. No, no, my figures are wrong. That's not even a tithe of what you pay for a small popcorn at a movie theater. They give you a tiny box like Cracker Jacks used to come in for seven bucks. But I want me a tub. You're going to pay 20 bucks for that tub of popcorn. More than the theater costs to get into. You feel taken advantage of. The problem is that all of this was done in the name of Christ or God. The, the money changers now, they, they had twisted it because their hearts weren't right. And every man or person was looking for their cut. So the guy that brought or provided the doves, he wanted more than what they were actually worth. And the guy that managed it while they were there, he wanted more. And the person that was there to change money for them because they might come in with a piece of gold or, uh, you know, some corn stalks or some wheat because they they had to exchange stuff for it. The money changers were doing these kinds of things. And they would take and expect more than what it was worth. And it had become a den of thieves. God won't tolerate that in our lives. And He's made provision so that we can live clean. And so while they were providing a necessary service... The wrong was profiting by theft in the name of God. It had become a gathering place for thieves. And so those of you who are taking notes, I got one for you. You need to take this one down or you can simply take a photo because I'm going to have it for you on this overhead. If you don't guard the sacred, the sinful will easily take over. Just like that caulking that you put around your bathtub. If you don't guard it, if you don't care for it, if you don't clean it week in and week out, and if a little moisture manages to get there behind it, I don't care how much you clean. Some of it's just staying there. If you don't guard the sacred, and have you noticed, have you noticed what's happening over at where Martin Tower used to be? Any of you drive by there? When you leave today, pay attention to it. When you leave today, what? You, you remember they had it all cleared up, all looked nice, and you drive by there now on Eighth Avenue, and there are trees coming up, bunches of trees coming up. They don't deal with it soon enough. Those trees will be as grown and big as the ones they had thirty of them. Now you can see nothing but trees lining there. should have been a place for legitimate prayer from the heart was now a den of greed because men got their hands into it. And I'm going to say this to you. God will not flow where scheming and conniving operate. Just stop it. If that's your nature, your style, stop it. 
Scheming and conniving. How can I gain the advantage? Constantly looking for how you can win and it doesn't matter if someone else loses. And it had sunk to a meeting place for all of the wrong elements, for all of the wrong reasons. It's what health education has become in our public schools. Yeah, you heard me say it. I said it live online. You you parents that have your kids in public school, if they have a class and it's called health education, you make sure you know what's in the book. You know what? Make sure what they're being taught. And then you, you're going to have to deprogram them when they get home. Because I can assure you, your children are not being taught what is right and real. If they can discuss like it's it's a negotiable point, whether they're a boy or a girl, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If I can see it with my own eyes, it is what it is. It's what's become of our our uh, universities when they teach history. Especially if it's American history. It's being twisted to mean something that it was never, it wasn't. And I'm not denying our, our weird and, and difficult and a shameful past here in the United States. I'm not denying that. I'm not overlooking that. That's a real thing. But don't now take it and twist it to be something that it never was. It's what's happening when, it's what happens when men get their hands, their ideas, their intentions because somebody's looking for one person to have an advantage over another person. And that's all the bad news, but let me give you the good news. I told you I'd come back to this part of it. As soon as the garbage is removed, Jesus brings healing. I'll remind you what I've already read the verse. Here it is. Matthew 21 verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. That follows verse 13. Where he had just cast them out. And it's that part where I said, I think I should insert a word or two. And after that, in other words, once he got the junk out... Healing and peace comes. And so the blind and lame filter back into the temple and they're healed. And and so what does that mean for you today? Come on, listen to me, church. Listen to me, those of you who are walking in these weak places and you've opened up some doors for some garbage to creep into your life. Rid yourself of some of the garbage hanging on to your life and peace will re-enter rapidly. Those places where you've you've let your time be taken up by stuff like the stuff in the temple was necessary for them to make their sacrifices and do the necessary things. It had become polluted. And so you've got some stuff that may be good. 
In and of itself, it's not wrong. It's not sin in and of itself. But it started to capture your heart in a wrong way. So what do I say to you? What am I saying to you? Make room for more of God by removing more of the world. And I'll add this to it. Not everyone likes it when you draw near to God. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. That's what's happening now, just after Jesus has done all this. You see it, though, right? This is verse 15. The priests and the teachers, the ones that should have known what they were seeing, The ones that should have recognized what was going on right now saw these wonderful miracles. Can you imagine this? They're seeing with their own eyes. Boy, isn't that just the reverse of what I was saying a moment ago? What you see with your own eyes, they're twisting like it doesn't exist, like it's not real. And here they are seeing with their own eyes these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. Why? They, they need to, that's, listen to what they say. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Oh, my goodness. Don't you hear what they're saying about you? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? Boom! Mic drop. Boom. That's Jesus. That's Jesus in his, in his role there, people. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus, the bouncer role. It's not pleasant. It doesn't feel good. That was a mic drop moment. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? Did you see what verse 15 said? The priests. The priests, haven't you read the scriptures Jesus is saying to them? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. You know what he's telling them? These kids know more than you do in all of your understanding. What you've got is misunderstanding. You've got it all twisted in your head. You can't even believe what you see with your own eyes. These children are wiser than you. Jesus, throwing them out. Take your supposed wisdom and get out. So what was needed was complete cleansing of the temple. All right, second main point. You're taking notes. This is Roman numeral two. All is all. How many of you have ever heard one of these Pennsylvania Dutch people in Pennsylvania say something like, it's all. Have any of you ever heard that? One of you? Two of you? Three of you? Four of you? All right, do I have five? How about six? Can I get six? I was rotating the tires on a former Jeep that I had, and I was getting help from a guy from in our former church, and he was one of the deacons, just a real handy guy, great guy, I loved him. And, and he was, he was helping me change those, the, uh, 
put these tires and rotate them, right? So I was on one side, he was on the other side, and I'd finished my side, and I walked around, and I said to him, did you get that taken care of? He said, it's all. I'm thinking, did he lose his voice? Or You okay over there, Bill? He said, why you ask? I said, you said it's all. It's all what? Oh, it's all done. You know what that means? No, I didn't know. I need a translation, bro. I wasn't born and raised around you Pennsylvania Dutch people. He just said it's all. It's all done. It's all finished. It's all, you know, we just leave out a word. It's okay. We'll catch up to you in a minute. Listen to these words from New Testament teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Somebody tell me where this is from real quick. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I meant that when I said, somebody tell me where it's found. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Shout it out. Come on, use that phone. Find it. You can find it in three Gospels, so I'm I'm counting on you to find it. We'll do the Mark 12 verses. It wasn't one that I'm using. I think this is the Matthew 21. Yeah, that's Matthew 21 that this one came from. So, same chapter we're in. Same chapter. Sorry, I, I wanted you all to know so you knew where this passage came from. So just a little while later, in the same chapter that we've read all of this before, these teachers have the gall to say, what's the most important commandment? And so what do I mean all is all? In grace, God will take what you give him, but he wants all. Look at your neighbor right now and say, all is all. All is not first or even most. I would say that again, because this is catching you all. Yeah, I got your attention now. What is he talking about? Where is he going with this? All is all, not first or even most. It's not the way we usually picture it. We like having God. We can even talk about it first. This isn't God first. This is God always, at all times, in all situations. All is all. It's not a little bit. Y'all hear me make cracks about a song. I just need a little more Jesus. I don't want you having a little more Jesus. You need all of Jesus. All that you can possibly get. This is, I'm going to take it a few, a little bit further for you. 
You can take a picture of this slide if you're taking photos because I got another slide for the next point. This is no me ever, but God always. This isn't God as first priority. This is God only. Ooh. Somebody say ouch. Because this is a whole lot of God and none of you. Look at your neighbor say, this is none you. And I'll put it to you this way. When you got God where he needs to be in your life, everything else will be perfectly fine. Everything will fit perfectly. And so what do I need to do with you today? I need to help you change some stinking thinking. Because here's a deep truth that must penetrate your natural thinking. We don't think naturally this way. It does not compute this way for most of us. I'm essentially telling you that you must change how you were taught to think. Now, you parents, you understand the concept because you have to, right? You have to teach your kids what not to do, don't you? Your children do not naturally do the things they should be doing. It's your responsibility to actually teach them what not to do, right? You still with me? Every parent, shake your head, say, amen, pastor. I hear you. You have to teach them. And, and I've, I've joked about this before, but you, many of you know this is true because one of the first words your child is going to know is no. It's one of the first words you'll hear them say. You want them to say mama. You want them to say dada. You want them to say that. But one of the first words they're going to learn is no. you got to change your way of thinking. And here's what this is going to come down to. I'm going to talk about honor. I'm going to talk about respect. I'm going to talk about putting God really as your all in all. So here's the concept. I just, I want you to catch. If you will love God with your all, you can't help but do what's right in and with your life. It's a natural consequence if you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. So every quadrant of your being, if you love Him with your all, you can't help but do, actively do what's right in and with your life. Here's what happens when you do this. Your life becomes a blessing. I'm saying the, your life, the whole of your life becomes a, a, a walking, talking, verifiable, identifiable blessing. Therefore, the glory of God will be manifested in you. Oh, I'm going to take it. Can I take you to the next level? I'm going to get you all the way over. I say I'm crossing over. Say it to me. I'm crossing over. You're going to get this today. The glory of God is not only manifested in you, but you become the embodiment of God's glory. Therefore, let me get you all the way. That is to say, tell your neighbor, you are God's glory. You are God's glory. 
What does that mean? That means where you go, where you recreate, where you work, where you attend school, where wherever you are, you embody the glory of God. If you're walking this way, if God is truly your all in all, then every time somebody looks at you, they'll see a bit of God. You are the manifested presence of Christ. For a neighbor that doesn't know who Christ is or what he looks like, sounds like, feels like. You, therefore, bring glory to God by your life. That's what I'm talking about here. This is where I want you to get to. You embody God's glory. That means i got to walk different, i got to talk different, got to act different. <laughs> but it will come easy if God is truly your all. This kind of thinking bears good fruit in every area of your life. Hallelujah. It bears good fruit. Good fruit will come out of this. But here's the thing you need to know. God will never force himself on you or his ways. He'll never do it. He won't do it. He doesn't operate that way. What does that look like then? If you remain in charge, God immediately steps aside. I was watching a little Instagram clip yesterday, and there was, uh, in the, there was in the distance, there was a woman standing up on a cliff where water was below, and she shouts down to the person in the, on the camera, and there was, her child was also there, and she shouts down, should I do it? And of course, the person on the camera says, yes, do it. Should I do it, she shouts, and you hear the little daughter say, Yes, Mommy, you're probably going to die, but do it. <laughs> really, I, I can't pull it up for you like that. I don't operate that way, but it, that's what it says. <laughs> you're probably going to die, but go on, Mom, you can do it. This will come out of God being your all in all. Good fruit will come out of it. He's not going to force himself on you. When problems arise, if you will give God your all, if you will relinquish control, your problems become his problems. And do you hear me Hear me when I say this? Please hear me when I say this. You can't develop a problem too big for God. I want to make it practical for you, though. I want you to understand you should back up from what I just said because the truth is if you're walking down, doesn't mean a problem-free life. It just means that when you get into a situation, all you got to do, and there's been so many times in my life in my walk with God, I've just looked at God and said, all right, this is your problem, God. I didn't get myself in this fix. I'm just doing your work your way. So it's your problem. Over to you, God. Now, you may not be that bold with the Lord, but I can be that bold with God because I'm trying to walk out His ways the best I know how. And so I just, I can look at God. Hold him to his word. And say, all right, God, 
I know you got this. Your word tells me that. Your word tells me nothing is impossible with you. That's what your word says, Lord. You got this, don't you, Lord? What's happening here is you're walking out Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. Evangelist Nick used that verse earlier today. All his right ways. And all these things, all of the stuff that surrounds your life, he'll take care of it. If you're seeking him first. If he is really first. If he's your all in all. Let me bring you to a conclusion this afternoon. It's time to check your heart. I wonder if your heart has become a gathering place for thieves. What do I mean by that? Let's keep it practical. Has your prayer life become a place of greed? You have problem with the gimmies? Sounds like one of those... Pennsylvania Dutch statements right now, doesn't it? The gimmies? Give me this, Lord. Give me that, Lord. Take care of this, Lord. Help me win that. Help me accomplish this. Help me do that, Lord. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I wonder if you have a relational prayer life. Because it's in the nature of the word itself, prayer. And so we think of prayer as doing these things that we tell God what we need. That's what prayer is. No, it's a devotional life. It's a worship life. It's not just you praying for God to get you something. No, you're talking to him like you would talk to a spouse or a brother or a sister. Somebody that you know loves you and has a good plan for you. Or or desires the very best to you. If you've not experienced a true loving father, imagine him as a loving father that desires the very best for you. Do you have a relational prayer line? Do you find yourself seeking God's hand rather than His face? That's what I'm talking about. What's the difference? You're not asking Him for everything that you can get into your life and your being. Your life should consist of more than the things you have in your life. You want your life wrapped up in Him. He is your all. You're loving Him. You're worshiping Him. You're praising Him. You're singing to Him. You can call it prayer if you wish, but I call it a relationship of interaction with God. It's God talking to you, not just you telling God what He needs to know. That He already knows. That's why I'm saying, what's your prayer life like? Is it a relational life? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, that's a horrible prayer. Come on, dig in a little deeper than that, please. Talk to him like he was actually there listening to you. Has your heart become a meeting place for all the wrong elements? Maybe you need to be cleansed of all the junk. So don't bring your phone into your prayer station. Leave it out. 
block everybody's intrusion into that time. Okay, if you use it for worship music, gentle music, all right. If you're bold enough and strong enough to do that without having it still in a mode where you see a light flash whenever somebody texts you. Or some other kind of intrusion. Cleanse yourself of the junk. Many of us need a complete renewal. And so that comes with a new way of thinking. And that's why you've heard the language that I've spoken here this morning. He's not just first. He's not just your first priority. Only priority. Because everything else can line up behind it. Every, if you do that right, if you love God right, you'll love your family, your neighbor, you'll love them right. Really. And I'll close with this final thought. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Not everyone will like it when you get God as your all. You're going to lose friends when you... I'm just... I don't want you set up for disaster. I want you told the truth. You're going to lose some friends when you really give God all. You will. Because you're going to turn down a party turn down a gathering you're going to say no to some things that you used to be comfortable doing as you grow in Christ Jesus you'll, you'll, you'll hear some people say some things and you'll just say that's not right and I don't want any part of it you'll walk away and they'll ask you why did you leave, what happened and you'll have to tell them the truth I don't know, I no longer walk down that lane and I just can't tolerate that. I know you think it's just a cute joke. But I know it offends the Spirit of God within me and I I won't participate in it. I'm not participating in something that offends my God. So they won't like that. They'll call you names or they'll just stop calling you. They'll stop inviting you. So it may be difficult, but it may be the only thing you should be doing with your life. Because you need God as your all. Thus the title, when God is all. Active, present, being. God is all. Stand to your feet, please. Pastor Mackay is going to gently begin singing. And you can sing the song that you had earlier. And while she does that, I'm going to ask you today. Because we've already had an altar time. So you know that this is for believers right now. Those of you that feel secure in your relationship with God. Have you opened up the window enough to see... Did you still have a cubicle? You have a spot where you haven't let God take over? You have it reserved so that you can enjoy some things. And you have to name the thing. I'm not naming the thing for you. But you, you know it's real. Some stuff that you, you keep... It's, 
the thing itself, again, it may not be a sin outright by itself. It may not be sin. But yet, it's taken some territory from God. Just like those people exchanging the money and the animals for sacrifice. They were doing a necessary service, but it had taken on a different picture and was doing robbery now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the altar to you. If you say, I know i got some stuff that i got to rid myself of, you're not ashamed of it? Well, maybe you are now. But you're not ashamed to admit I've let some stuff creep into my life. Not our business to care what it is that you've let creep into your life. Wouldn't you rather have things right between you and God and Him knowing and understanding I've let some stuff in and I know I've let some stuff in. Would you come as we speak? As I speak, would you come? Right now. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my only Lord. Look, there's some people already up here that you thought were perfect. got some space you want to just say I, I've got to give more territory to the Lord hey, look none of us are going to lay our hands on you today this is you and the Holy Spirit right now so you just bear your all to him you just say it to him not my business this is not a confessional go ahead Pastor Just get that garbage out. Get that junk out. Drive out the stuff that's in the way that I've not presented to you. There's some stuff hanging on in there. I'm, I'm still allowing too much time for this. I'm still not taking that much time for you in this area. I still can stand, I, I can stay awake for three hours and watch a movie, but I can't stay awake 30 minutes at, after 9 o'clock at night and pray. Read your word. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Where I've let all this stuff creep in and I haven't made right room for you. I get up first thing in the morning and I run to my coffee or I run to the news or I run to the weather, but I'm not running to you. Forgive me, Lord. I want you as my all. Really, Lord, my all. I know there's some things that i got to cut out. Help me to take the scissors. Help me to take the incisions, Lord, and just cut them open and get that garbage out, Lord. 
message online maybe you've recommitted your life to the Lord would you acknowledge that let us know there are a multitude of ways you can get through to us and let us know that you've connected with us you've connected with this message maybe you've not come to the altar but you still connected with the message come on let us know that God the Holy Spirit has been working in you thank you Father for working your work and all of your children that have gathered here today meet them, especially those who have come to the altar, Lord Jesus. They've acknowledged where they need to make more room for you, where they need to cut some junk out. Bless them, I pray, Lord. Work in their hearts and lives. In Jesus' precious and powerful name, amen. Amen. I love you, folks. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this today. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.